It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to the PowerMizzou.com podcast, the first one of the Eliah Drinkwitz era and the first one after Mitchell Forty and myself have slept for more than about four hours at a time. So uh, I don't know that we'll make any more sense, but we're at least well-rested. Um, we are going to talk plenty about Missouri's new head football coach. And we're actually going to start in a little bit of a place you guys probably wouldn't expect. Andrew Hutchinson from hogbeat.com, that is the Arkansas Rivals site, joins us. And, and Andrew, let's start there because, uh, as you told me last week, apparently you played high school football for Eli Drinkwitz. Yeah, my sophomore year at Springdale High School, uh, I was a wide receiver. Uh, I use that loosely. I was a, mostly a bench warmer, but uh, <laughs> I, I was on the team and, and was at all the 5 and 6 a.m. workouts uh, with the skill position players, which Drinkwitz was obviously uh, very involved in. So I got to got to know Coach Drinkwitz really well. And, and as I told you, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of him. I think he's a very bright, offensive-minded coach and uh, honestly, I, I hope he has a lot of success up there at Missouri. Well, Andrew, I, I guess first of all, what you know made you a, a huge fan of, uh, of Eli Drinkwitz, and also kind of uh, follow up, as big a fan as you were, would you ever have imagined that in less than a decade he would be making four million dollars a year? <laughs> well, first of all, the reason I'm such a big fan probably is is just you know being around him so much he truly he truly cared about me as a player even though as i said i was a bench warmer not going to contribute on friday nights at all uh but uh, you know i actually uh a quick story is i actually had an accident in the field house at springdale high school where uh, we were playing two-hand touch uh, and as you imagine with a bunch of high school boys uh, we got a little bit carried away and i got uh, pushed into a the cylinder block wall uh, knocked unconscious, uh, apparently had a seizure, pretty scary uh, type of deal. And uh, Coach Drinkwitz came down and, and actually rode in the hospital with me, uh, rode in the ambulance with me to the hospital. Uh, and the entire time was kind of talking to me, helping keep me awake because you know, I had obviously had a severe concussion and I just wanted to take a nap, which is not what you want right. to do when you've had a concussion like that. And uh, he was just keeping keeping me up and asking me questions about my girlfriend and school and things like that and, and hung out there and kind of really did a good job of, of keeping me calm during a, a really kind of scary time and uh, that's kind of a, a cool memory I have and, and no I would have had no idea that a decade later uh, almost to the day uh, he would be hired as a, a head coach in the SEC making four million dollars a year uh, <laughs> honestly I was I, I was really mad when he didn't get hired as the head coach at Springdale High School uh, that after that season, uh, but it worked out well for him because he went to the college ranks and is making four million dollars a year now. Now, was was that the year? Was Gus Malzahn there at that time too? No, Gus okay. had been gone. He he left after the 2005 season, and that would have been the 2009 season where okay. when I had my accident his last year at, at Springdale. Okay, so the last thing I've got on on Drinkwitz is, and I know a lot of Missouri fans are interested in this. What's What's your guys' information as far as what Arkansas's interest was? You know, whether that – I know officially nothing ever get – they never offer the job to a coach except the one that takes it. But what what was kind of your guys' information of, of the interest level and in, in any meetings there? Well, the, I'll, I'll say this. Hunter Juracek, the athletic director here, is very, very uh, secretive with his searches. It's something that I've even talked to the guys that have covered Arkansas for a long, long time, and they said he's the most secretive he's ever, they've ever been around. 
uh, and literally only three people, one of them being himself, knew exactly what was going on in the search. However, what we had been kind of hearing is that Drinkwitz was definitely a guy that, that Arkansas interviewed. I'm not necessarily sure if they really went that far because it seemed like Sam Pittman, who they, they did hire, uh, had been kind of targeted and been kind of the guy they, they really wanted. Uh, he had expressed a, a true desire to, to come coach at Arkansas. He seems to truly, genuinely love uh, the Razorbacks. He's kind of from the area, granted from Oklahoma, but not too far from Fayetteville, uh, and has obviously had a previous coaching experience at Arkansas, uh, whereas you know, Drinkwitz, I think he was kind of – maybe more feeling the, the market. I mean, his agent, I believe, is Jimmy Sexton, so that kind of tells you everything you need to know, uh, trying to get the best deal. And I think Missouri may have been a little bit more willing to, to give him uh, a bigger contract as they did with $4 million compared to Sam Pittman's uh, $3 million contract. Yeah, so kind of shifting gears a little bit, you mentioned, obviously, Arkansas hired Sam Pittman. Uh, that came out Sunday, same day as Missouri's hire of Drinkwitz. Just what's, what's been the, uh, the fan reaction to the, to the hire so far? I think there's some cautious optimism uh, there. They like Sam Pittman as a, as a coach. Uh, he obviously was a really well-liked offensive line coach whenever he was here. Uh, that's kind of a, a weird thing to say because offensive line coaches are generally anonymous. Uh, but here he, he kind of developed the offensive line into you know true rock stars. I mean, these guys were on the cover of the media guy back in 2015 uh, and since he left, his legend has only grown because Arkansas' offensive line has fallen off a cliff. Uh, was just They went from leading the SEC and fewest sacks allowed to being uh, among the worst in the SEC in that category almost overnight uh, when he left for Georgia. So people are excited from that perspective, but they're very apprehensive and a little bit nervous, you know, considering it's a guy that has never been a head coach at the FBS level and his only head coaching experience were uh, at a couple of high schools in Missouri in the late eighties and uh, at a JUCO in the early nineties. So, I mean, that was before I was even born. So that's a long, <laughs> long time ago. Same. Uh, and, Not <laughs> and uh, he, so there's a little bit, uh, I guess you'd say uh, apprehension, as I said, you know, they, they're, they're a little bit nervous on how he's going to handle the, the head coaching stuff. Uh, but he's a guy that I think people are confident can kind of help stabilize the program from at least a trenches standpoint, which Arkansas struggled with uh, the last several years. Talking with Andrew Hutchinson of hogbeat.com. And uh, before I got a couple other questions about the search and the staff and stuff, but it, can you please tell me that Sam Pittman's not going to tweet out these creepy videos every night? Cause, <laughs> cause I, I mean, I'm going to have bad dreams about this whole yes, sir thing. Uh, I can't imagine it being every night. I think they're trying to kind of capitalize on it while it's still kind of hot news. Uh, I, I would hope, as you said, that they don't do it every night, but that's kind of what he did. I remember seeing all these videos when he was at Georgia and getting all the commitments for offensive linemen. My biggest wonder is, is he going to do this for an entire class of 25 Oof. recruits? <laughs> uh, that, that would be a lot. That would be a whole lot of yes, sir, videos. Yeah, and it's uh, if you haven't seen it, just go search it on Twitter. It's it's a little bit creepy, to be quite honest. So I, I know that, again, it's all kind of speculation, and, and we never know in coaching searches, but can you just kind of give us the thumbnail sketch of, of where that search went before it landed on Sam Pittman? I mean, I know there was a lot of speculation around Lane Kiffin, and Hunter Juracek even tweeted out a video that made people think that 
that maybe Lane Kiffin was their guy. It just kind of take us through the the quick version of I don't I don't know if there is a quick version of like twenty eight days or whatever <laughs> it was, but the quickest version you've got. Yeah, I think it really started heating up that week leading up to championship weekend. Uh, before that, it, there there was obviously talk and rumors and stuff, but it never really caught a lot of steam uh, because all those other coaches were were still coaching their teams during the regular season. Uh, but it did seem like Lane Kiffin. There was a lot of a lot of smoke there, uh, but that again could have been Jimmy Sexton doing his thing and getting his uh, guys a uh, you know as much money, best deal as they could. Uh, but once it once it went on from Lane Kiffin, uh, it quickly shifted to, to Drinkwitz, and then uh, Sam Pittman was always kind of there in the background. People kind of speculated it. Former players were very very vocal on Twitter uh, and other social media uh, sites saying, you know, Drink uh, Pittman should be the guy. You know, they he was very well loved by his former players, both offensive linemen and even skill position players, defensive players. Uh, so really, that was kind of it. Really seemed like those guys were. Uh, the candidates all along, uh, but again, Hunter Yurchek, he he keeps it really close to the vest. We saw it with the basketball search that eventually ended up with Eric Musselman. Uh, that he he didn't let things get out, and he kind of laughs at the whole all the rumors and the plane tracking and all that stuff. Uh, so I, I've no one really truly knows, but it did seem like uh, Lane Kiffin kind of was the guy they zeroed in on. Uh, maybe even before that, maybe a. a uh, Campbell at uh, Iowa State was kind of a guy that might have been a target, but he was quickly came off the board because Iowa State gave him a really big extension, big buyout, things like that. So really it seemed like it went from Lane Kiffin to Drinkwitz to Pittman pretty quickly. So I know, you know, <clears throat> obviously Sam Pittman doesn't take over the uh, the most rosy situation. Arkansas obviously, you know, hasn't won an SEC game in a couple years, struggled under Chad Morris. Uh, I guess, you know, when you look at, just the situation that, that Pittman's taking over, what is like the number one priority as far as, you know, thing he can adjust, address immediately. And what is just the realistic timetable for this team to get back into bowl contention? I think the first thing he can do is, is fix the offensive line issue. I mean, they went from averaging less than a sack a game, whenever he was here to about two and a half a game in the four years since he left. So I think that could be, an area they improve immediately, uh, both even even if they don't bring in a bunch of you know highly touted recruits at that position, I think he could take what Arkansas had already. Uh, they had shown some signs of progress this year, uh, and I think they could make a big jump under Pittman. And obviously, if your offensive line improves, that would help your uh, offense improve as a, as a whole. So I think that's kind of the biggest thing he could do immediately. But it's going to be a process. The timeline. Uh, is is going to be slower than Arkansas fans want, uh, especially when you go from having four cupcake non-conference games, which you had a hard time winning as San Jose State and Western Kentucky showed this year and Colorado State and North Texas last year. Uh, you go from those kind of games to going to Notre Dame next year. Uh, you lose Kentucky and Vanderbilt, which were your East opponents the last two years, to going to Tennessee next year. Uh, so it's it's not going to be easy, uh, and I think if if he could just double Arkansas's win total next year by going four and eight, that's not a good season. But I think it would be for Arkansas standards where they have been, would be a step in the right direction. And then maybe the following year uh, you can improve a little bit more. But again, that year you're going to Georgia for your SEC East crossover game. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, it's not going to be easy. I think it's a long rebuild. 
Uh, Pittman's contract is very is structured in a way that's very interesting. He's got a lot of incentive. Uh, only making three million dollars, but he can get by just making a bowl game a raise of two hundred fifty thousand. Uh, if he may, if he wins seven games, it's half a million, and if he wins eight games somehow miraculously, that's a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar raise. Uh, in, in addition to the the regular bonuses that you get for making a bowl game or or other things like that, so uh, it's there's a lot of incentives there for him and obviously he wants to get it turned around and, and it'll be interesting to watch if he can do it. But I do think it's a, a multi-year uh, rebuild. All right. Last thing for you, want to circle this back kind of to Missouri. Sam Pittman has already hired Brad Davis off of Barry Odom's staff. There's a lot of talk and thought that Barry Odom could end up as Pittman's defensive coordinator in Fayetteville. So um, first of all, uh, if you ever speak to Brad Davis, tell him we said hello. We have not spoken to him in about two and a half years. I, I now. never, I never spoke to <laughs> yeah. him. Um, but uh, you know, what's what's the thought on that hire? And then, uh, are you guys hearing anything on on the possibility of Odom down there? Yeah, I think the the overall sense on Brad Davis is that he is a solid recruiter, based on what Nikki Chavanel, our, our main recruiting uh, person here at Hogbeat, uh, has has heard. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how much. Uh, uh, really, one thing I'm, I'm, I want to ask Sam Pittman next time we talk to him is how much he's going to be involved in the actual coaching of the offensive line, how much Brad Davis is going to do it. Uh, I've heard a lot of Missouri fans were in my mentions talking about, oh, thank goodness, take Brad Davis. We don't want him. He was terrible. Uh, generally, that's not a good sign. Uh, but, again, Sam Pittman is one of the best offensive line coaches in the country. So I'm, I'm anxious to see how they work together from an X's and O's standpoint. Uh, with the offensive line. Uh, as far as Barry Odom, uh, Nikki has, has been hearing some rumblings that uh, he's going to be here. I mean, it seems like there's a lot of smoke there. I mean, whenever Barry Odom posted his message on Twitter thanking Missouri for his time as the head coach, Sam Pittman was one of the people who replied and said, this is a great man. I'm glad to call him a friend or something along those lines. So there's been speculation that Barry Odom could be the guy all along as long as Barry Odom doesn't take a head coaching job somewhere else. So, and I think that would be a phenomenal hire, and I think it would really spice up the uh, the battle line rivalry presented by Shelter Insurance uh, <laughs> because Barry Odom's a Missouri guy, and he could maybe stick it to his uh, former employer and former school by coming to Arkansas and helping the Razorbacks. All right. Well, Andrew, appreciate it, man. I'm sure you guys have, have been as busy as we are, and you got like a three-week-old daughter, so uh, I don't know, sleep in a couple years, man. Yeah, I, I – very, very lacking of sleep right now. <laughs> All right. Well, appreciate you taking some time, man. Have a good one. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right. Andrew Hutchinson, hogbeat.com. Uh, I'm interested to see if – I I think if Barry Odom doesn't get the Memphis head coaching job, and, and I don't know, I think he's got a chance to get it. But if he doesn't, I could see Fayetteville because I could see, just like Andrew said, like, the way he works, I could see I really want a job where I can beat Missouri. Yeah, he's always seemed to be someone who uh, is motivated by people telling him he can't do something. And so, obviously, a very big sign of that was getting fired at Missouri. He would love, I'm sure, to beat them. And, I mean, could you imagine an even more spicy battle line rivalry presented by Shelter Insurance? <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, really anything is going to make it better than the game we saw two weeks ago, right? That was horrible. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, there have been some depressing games. The 38 nothing, where it was just like, like uncompetitive. Sleep the, whole time. the year before that, Brett Bielema got fired coming oh, off yeah. the field. 
the year before that, I think, was Gary Pinkle's last game, which was the most depressing I think thing I've for- ever seen. He was carried yeah. off the field after a loss. I think you're forgetting one. The, the one year Odom's team did, or no, that was the year they, mm-hmm. they fired. One year Odom's team beat uh, Arkansas right. surprisingly, but then another game. year it was like an actual good game where it was like pretty high scoring. Yeah. And that was no one was fired. Two years yeah, yeah, yeah. It was okay, anyway. Everything else has been terrible. So uh, we'll spice that up a little bit. <laughs> All right, now we welcome in Ethan Joyce from the Winston-Salem Journal. Ethan covers Appalachian State football, which obviously Missouri fans have become a lot more interested in in the last week. Ethan, how you doing today, man? I'm good, man. Uh, it's been a busy week yeah. here in uh, here in North Carolina, but I'm doing pretty good now. Yeah, appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you taking some time. So the first question: Look, I know he was there for one year. You guys probably don't have a great sense of who Eli Drinkwitz is and know him really well, but just kind of what were your impressions of him covering him for one season? You know, he, Eli's a a pretty big thinker just as far as like trying to take input from other people and trying to figure out what works best. He's a pretty driven guy, pretty energetic guy. I think that was kind of an interesting shift between Scott Satterfield, who he replaced at App State and him is that Scott was a very, laid back, relaxed guy. And, you know, because of that, he kind of surrounded himself with some guys that were the energetic types to kind of compensate for the fact that he was just so like low key and pretty like not low energy, but just like a very, very neutral guy. Um, Drink is very excitable. He is very much involved in a lot of stuff. I think that's pretty clear with the fact that he's going to be a head coach, offensive coordinator and a quarterback coach at uh at a power five school, but, um, but yeah, he's, he definitely made an impression around here and, and, uh, did what he needed to do to get that job. I know obviously, you know, part of the, the narrative around Eli Drinkwitz is that he inherited a really good situation, which he obviously did at, at Appalachian state after Scott Satterfield left for Louisville. I'm, I'm curious just to get your take on a, you know, how good of a, a situation that was and B what, what, kind of were some of the, you know, schematic differences and things implemented uh, by Drinkwitz during his year there? You know, I, I said that to somebody a couple of days ago, and I was like, you know, it's not a slight against Drink, but whoever got this job, as long as they didn't just do something crazy, they were going to have a really good football team. You know, they this was their fourth, at least their fourth share of a, of a conference championship, and they won the last two title games, which are the first two in Sunbelt Conference history. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it was a team that's really loaded with talent. With Scott Satterfield, you had an offense that was very much predicated on the run, a lot of outside zone blocking. You know, really it was kind of like get a defense leaning, get them leaning, and then take a big shot down the field. And, you know, with, with Eli's offense, you saw a, a different mixture of, of mixing in some mid-range stuff and it really kind of paid off for the group of wide receivers that App State had and I think as the season went on though you did kind of see them really mix mix in the zone blocking that App State used to do and I think I mean and that's a credit to drink is you know play into the strengths of the guys that he had and you know these guys are very talented but they were recruited for a system and he found a way to kind of meld those two together and make them successful and I really think you saw that kind of at the end where the offense was clicking a lot better than, than at the start of the season and was really kind of finding points in a hurry. Talking to Ethan Joyce from the Winston-Salem Journal, and that recruiting is obviously one of the big questions for a guy making the jump. I, I know he's been at Power 5 schools and recruited at that level, but not as the head coach. So, 
you can't. It's not really apples to apples. The the guys he recruited at App State last year, and probably the the level of player you need to recruit to to do well in a Power Five conference. But as far as his recruiting last year at App State compared to what it was previously, you know what what was your impression of of the freshman class he brought in, and did many of those guys make a contribution to this team? Yeah, you know he he brought in some quality guys, and he made a he made a good decision at holding on to Justin Watts, which is the the uh, recruiting coordinator for App State. He was Stats recruiting coordinator, and he held on to him here. He shifted from wide receivers coach to tight ends coach, but he he oversaw recruiting. He's been he's been doing that since you know the early 2010s. Now it feels like, but um, yeah, I mean they 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 had some good talent come in. They've got a pretty solid class coming in next year it's a smaller class and last year's was a smaller one too because it's such a top heavy team right now as far as their upperclassmen go you know this year they're going to lose quite a bit of defensive starters it's going to be three out of four starting linebackers they're going to lose their two starting safeties and then next year like essentially the entire offense graduates um so you know next season they'll be really talented too and that's when you're going to see just how much that that recruiting is going to pay off, and if the guys are ready to step up with when a lot of talent is going to leave the team. Ethan, we already know of two of uh, Drinkwitz's former assistants from Appalachian State who are following him to Missouri: the special teams coordinator Eric Link and uh, Charlie Harbison, whose role is to be determined. But he coached cornerbacks at Appalachian State last season. Uh, what what just kind of were your impressions of uh, of those two guys and the the job they did last season? Oh, man, Eric Link's awesome. Uh, I really enjoy talking to him. He taught me a lot about special team stuff. Uh, just a really smart guy and just knows how to explain it in a way to help you understand it because I don't know. And, and, and like, maybe I'm talking, you know, too much for everybody else, but I don't think I don't think you realize how much goes into special teams until you really get to talk with a person like that that's very involved in it. Um, you know, he – He's just a really smart guy, and you know they they had some really really good special team performances this year, and it helps when you have some guys like Darrington Evans, who is a, a running back for for the Ashley offense, but he's also just an all-purpose threat all around, and is just a you know a kickoff return specialist, and he's a monster when he does it. Um, Charlie, man, Charlie is like a beloved figure in North Carolina. Um, you know we. We got to talk to him pretty regularly during the uh, during the season, but um, but yeah, like he he he's I like people love him around here. He's you know from Shelby, North Carolina, which isn't too far away from from Boone, or you know it's really just kind of right outside of Charlotte. But he's just been around and has such a deep connection to this state. So you know, I'm curious to see how that kind of pays off in recruiting, if it does at all, and if you see you know, Mizzou presence try to start establishing here with a guy that's, you know, been coaching forever now and has so many connections in the high school ranks around here. Do you have any feel, I know the offensive line coach was already promoted to uh, succeed Drinkwitz as the head coach, but do you have any feel for other guys that, that you think he might try to bring off that staff or, or guys that you already know are going to stay? You know, that's a good question. That's like really what I'm trying to get zeroed in on these next couple of days. I'd heard that Link was definitely a candidate that was going to go. Um, Charlie is an interesting one, which that one just popped up. But, um, you know, I'd heard that he could go. I'd heard that he, he was interested in sticking around Boone. I'd heard you know, he's a Gardner-Webb graduate, and I'd heard he was in the mix for that job as well. Um, so, you know, as far as the, the, the other staffers go, it does sound like quite a few of the guys – 
at app right now could end up staying. Um, yeah, I'm curious to see what happens with Ted Roof because you know, Drink talked about Ted as a guy that he knew he needed to have on his staff because, you know, he was a first-time head coach, and Ted is a guy that's been a head coach and just a defensive coordinator for a long time. And so, you know, he wanted to have somebody on his staff like that that could give that level of expertise that, he was going to need to be able to lean on as a guy that would be learning so much for the first time. Um, you know, I haven't really heard one way or the other what might be going on there, but um, yeah, I'm interested to see how that plays out. But as far as I know, like Link was the only certainty that I was really sure about. And then from there, it's, I think it's still kind of up in the air right now. Yeah. You actually kind of led perfectly into my next question. Um was going to ask, you know, for, for a guy like Drinkwitz who is an offensive mind and who's going to continue to, to kind of really, focus on that side of the ball as the offensive coordinator and the play caller, you know, how, how important is, is a defensive, the defensive coordinator for him? And, and, you know, was, was roof Ted roof, a guy who really totally took control of that side of the ball or, or was Drinkwood still kind of involved in that from what you understood last season? You know, from what I understood, I think he kind of let Ted have really a lot more control over that. And like the, the staff that the defensive staff that was, was, at App State this season was like it's they seem to get along really well together um you know Ted Roof had a lot of say the, the safeties coach is a guy named Greg Gasparato who is a, a guy that everybody talks about as a you know one of the rising talents in in college football and he's going to be a defensive coordinator somewhere someday and so like I think they just had a really good set of people that you know he was able to just say like you guys take you guys can do this and I can focus on offense and I know he. I know Drink did help out when it came to looking at opposing teams' quarterbacks and kind of being involved there as far as breaking down their game and things like that. But yeah, I think the whole point of Ted was it was a guy that he knew that he could trust and could take care of that side of the business, so that way he could really put so much focus into the offense because, you know, like you said, it's you know that was his baby, that was what his name was stuck to, and you know he wanted to make sure it was done right. All right, last thing for you, Ethan. Just uh, it, look, I can't imagine that that uh, Drinkwitz is going to be more than like a footnote in App State history. I mean, he was there 362 days. But what is, uh, you know, what what has been the attitude there? Is it, hey, he's making four million dollars. Of course, he's going to take it. Or people angry at him? Do people not like him now? I mean, what what's the fallout of him taking this job? I will say that's really been an interesting thing to watch these last few days because I think a lot of logical people they understand that you know a job like that and the amount of money that it's going to bring that's a life-changing thing that's a family that's the that's altering the the destiny of your family um, and so they understand that I think I think what I've seen is that there is a lot of frustration by App State fans just as far as you know he got up at his press conference and said that App State wasn't a stepping stone job and it was a top 25 job and it turned out to be a top 25 job and it actually turned out to be a stepping stone too. And so I think, uh, I think there's a lot of frustration there. I've really been, it's really been interesting to watch that just from my perspective, because it's, it's, it's almost like this, uh, it's almost like a wrestling heel turn, but it was, a uh, you know, it's something that's being imposed on him by the, you know, by the ones that are, you know, probably still upset about it right now. But, you know, like, App State got a guy that they wanted to be their head coach now. They've got Sean Clark, and they're really happy about that. And it's back in the family again, as a lot of people have been saying about about the, the Mountaineers head coaching job. And so, you know, I think it is what it is. People understand the drink had to take an opportunity that he had. Like, it, 
it played out for him and it worked. And, you know, that's, that's just the way this, this business is, you know, it's not really, I I've been saying this since he moved that, you know, it's not drinks fault that this coaching carousel is just so bananas now. And the amount of money you're talking about is crazy. And so, yeah, I don't think you can be mad at the guy for that, but I think I can, I can get the frustration of a fan base saying like, you know, we, they thought that, they weren't a stepping stone and then it happened again. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, Hey, so. if somebody offers you $4 million to cover Missouri, you're going to be doing that. And if somebody offers me 4 million to cover app state, I'm going to be doing that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Was that an offer? Was that an offer? Uh, I just want to make sure that was not, it better uh, not be. Not because otherwise, <laughs> otherwise I need to have words about my paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ethan. Well, appreciate the time, man. Good luck. And we'll catch up down the road. Yeah. Appreciate it guys. All right. Ethan Joyce, Winston Salem journal. Um, so hopefully that give it, gives you a little idea. I mean, I, I think it's it's what we all know. Uh, the offense is is pretty much his. It's almost the reverse situation of Barry Odom. Like, mm-hmm. he was the head coach, but he was really kind of only the head coach of half the team, yeah. at least for his first couple years. The, Josh Heupel was the head coach of the other half. It sounds to me like Drinkwitz is going to be the head coach of the offense, and he's going to go hire somebody, whether that's Charlie Harbison, Ted Roof, Ryan Walters, or somebody else is the head coach of the defense. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's that's all still kind of coming together. We have a lot of moving parts uh, as far as the staff goes, but yeah, I think I think that's you know, I mean, like you said, similar to what Barry Odom did. Even I, I got the sense, you know, that like Barry Odom would, didn't answer a lot of questions about play calls or offensive uh, right. specifics after games it's like that's Derek Dooley's job you know he was the coach of the offense so I think it, it'll be it a similar could have, deal it could have gone better I feel like. well yeah I mean certainly <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of questions about those things <laughs> yeah so uh I don't know man first first coaching search over uh what do you think closing thoughts uh it was a lot um mainly <laughs> it, and mainly like the thing I, the thing is is you know you just you could never leave your phone and computer it was like you know i no matter what i wanted to do like if i'm going to work out i'm like all right i'm bringing my laptop in the car in case i have to run outside and type something up so um uh, it was fun i learned a lot i'm glad it's over also the airport stakeout was terrible yeah uh, i mean 12 40 or 11 40 or something and it was freezing cold um and you couldn't see anything yeah they were they were they were one step ahead of us they were well prepared for us to be there even though they attempted to hide the plane from us but yeah, I mean, hey, this is over. Um, uh, we've talked so much about every aspect of the process and the hire and all that. I, there's really nothing left to add. Um, you know, Eli Drinkwitz and his coaches are on the road recruiting. They are going to have, I, I'm assuming, double-digit official visitors. We will have as many of them as we can confirm in the chamber tomorrow morning. We'll have reaction from them on Sunday. Some of them will sign next week. So that and, and staff hires are, are really the next place to go. Um, I guess maybe some of this will be answered by next week's podcast. And then, I don't know, I guess we're getting close to bragging rights at that point. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the next big thing is definitely this early signing period, which becomes signing day now. Uh, so it's really important, obviously, for the Except new staff. almost to... in this situation, you don't know how much of signing day it's going to be. True. Yeah, no, I mean, this time you'll probably have more people late than usual because you're not going to fill out a whole class, obviously, given the, the staff turnover. Um, but so it should have some people sign next week. And then, yeah, bragging rights a uh, week from Saturday. So I'm sure we'll talk about that. All right, so we're going to do that next week. Um, hopefully you're caught up on everything. Who knows what happened? what's happened in the 35 minutes since we've been recording this, but we'll do our best to catch up. Thanks for listening.